This decade has seen a disappointing revelation become patently obvious about the Australian voter, and that is that we hate freedom. The Australian voter is committed to safety at any cost, on average. Now, if you're watching this show, you're probably like me, and you understand that he who values safety above freedom will probably have neither. But at least if we prioritise freedom, then we may at least have a fair degree of safety as well. And uh, that's not my words, but uh, essentially a poor paraphrase of one of the American thinkers might have been um, Ben Franklin. Uh, but at the same time, people who are watching my show uh, are quite often enamoured with freedom at the cost of other more important things. And it is my contention that it is faith, which is the indispensable ingredient to give us the best of a democracy, the best of a political party or candidate, and the best set of policies for the flourishing of everybody in a nation, not just the Christians, but those people who subscribe to no faith or any contradicting faith. Well, in this episode of The Church and State Show, I'm going to sit down with two of the Christian political leaders, one a party leader, one a lobbyist leader from the other side of the nation to me uh, in Western Australia, and we will be talking about the need for faith to support virtue, to support freedom, to support democracy. This is The Church and State Show, and I'm Dave Pellow. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Okay, well, joining me in this episode of the Church and State Show, uh, a few weeks now out from the Perth Church and State Conference, uh, Perth locals Daryl Budge and Marika Grunewald. Welcome, guys. Thanks, heaps. Thank you. Marika, let's start with you. You have been leader of the Australian Christians Party since 2016. Uh, as yep. minor parties go now, that's getting fairly long in the tooth. What's it been like over the last six come seven years of uh, seeing uh, not just this decade, but actually all yeah. of the fights that have been so important in that time, the fight for the definition of marriage, the fight for the sanctity of life, so many yeah. Christian values that are, are really, really important. And then, of course, in the last three years, the fight against government tyranny and uh, impositions of other people's consciences. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been so interesting over the last three years to see how people have even switched on to politics and things that never mobilised them before. Obviously, I've mobilised them in the last three years. But, yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of changes in the last seven years, especially in WA. Of course, we were sort of the ones ploughing the ground from early on, especially before uh, the same-sex marriage legislation came through, the euthanasia legislation. Uh, so there's been a fair bit that we've been involved with over the years. Uh, and, again, 
I've one thing I've seen is, especially when we speak to pastors, they always think, oh, this piece of legislation is fairly inconsequential. We don't need to get involved in it. You know, it's going to pass whatever. But when you actually show them that way of thinking has led to all these disastrous pieces of legislation, you can see now that people are starting to go, well, hang on, same-sex marriage wasn't just about marriage. There's actually a plethora of issues as a result of that. So for me, it's been really important as a party to be consistent. We don't just pop up when there's an election, but really making sure we're across the issues, we're working with members of parliament, we're able to bridge those gaps where we need to, building relationship. And yeah. I think not all the parties realise that's the stuff that is really important and takes time. It's one thing to register a party, with even now it's becoming more difficult, but just that really having capable and committed candidates that can speak on the issues, that know what they're talking about and that are consistent, for me that's been really important to model uh, when AC have candidates and just how we work, um, that that's one of the key foundations. I really applaud you for the role you're doing because essentially in 2016, I, I was in the leadership of a uh, Christian minor party in Queensland and yeah. um, I'd been there for about four years and and I experienced firsthand what you probably have known this whole time and, and so many of us know yeah. is that it's really hard to get churches um, interested in politics and pastors to get any support from them at all when you have Christians fighting for Christian values in a in a publicly mandated debate called a, an election, um, and <laughs> yeah. you you know it's really hard to so you know in the party I was in we basically gave up and went straight to the people doing our best through you know social media and newsletters and and various yeah. public meetings etc. It was really 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 frustrating. And so yeah. that's the model I've really taken uh, in this ministry since 2016 is to actually go straight to the people yeah. with uh, yeah. blogs and videos and writing and books and events and, and so on. And I, I really cherish it when I, I get to form a relationship with a pastor who then invites me to yeah. actually help bring this biblical teaching about the the imperative of being salt and light in the public square. It's not revolutionary or radical or, or polarizing any more than the rest of the gospel no, is. That's but, right. But you've really done the hard work. Like you said, plowed the ground. And and there is a lot of credibility amongst pastors for somebody who's just been around for more than five years like you have. Yeah. You know what I love, and this is why we are just such an anomaly, is a couple of years ago, uh, we found the same. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I sat at my desk, you know, crying, going, Lord, what are we doing wrong? Like, I mean, yeah. what the heck is happening? And, you know, it just got to a point where I really felt in my heart and I was praying about this. And I was like, Lord, what is it? And he goes, will you stand for the values that are important to me regardless of the outcome? And it was such a penny drop moment for me because I thought, obviously, we run to get elected, that's important, but it's so much more important than that. So weaving the ministry side together, you know, being yielded, aligning our priorities with God's priorities, uh, making sure that prayer is as central as the policy uh, for mm. us has taken a bit of changing around. But to be honest, that's what actually has opened the doors. And I find it so encouraging when you said earlier, you know, you guys found it difficult with churches to build the relationships. 
I mean, what I'm seeing now uh, with churches openly inviting me, being open to hear who we are, I mean, that has been years and years of relationship building and credibility. So So what I used to lament about, I thought, no, hang on, like regardless of the outcome, we're going to keep defending, we're going to keep standing, we're going to keep trusting God because you know, this is why we do this. We don't do this for us. Yeah. And that has brought a real, I think for us, a, an incredible release. And the the way the pastors now uh, listen to us is so different because we've realised that you've got to weave the politics with the ministry. And, of course, that sounds like a really random thing for a political party to talk about. But the prayer side, Dave, for us uh, has been incredibly important. No, very good. And you, you hit on a really incredible revelation that, that I try and teach often, and that is, especially as Christians, our part is obedience, not yes. outcomes. Uh, and you <laughs> use that word outcomes. It's our job is to do what God has called us to do uh, and to be faithful to that. And that is for a generation, not yes. uh, an election cycle or an election day, but forever. Uh, and, and to really build those foundations uh, yeah. for the future. But the reason I have to say that is because so many people in this last three years have suddenly been activated when they were previously not interested and yeah. then they've been protesting and very active, maybe hyperactive, yeah. yes. and, and then disappointment sets in, election outcomes don't happen, Australia doesn't uh, agree with... Uh, right thinking and, yes. and then people become dejected despondent and disengaged um, tell me what have you noticed uh, basically in the journey of voters over the last six years since 2016 yeah look I can definitely say for me probably the last couple of years especially in WA with the mandates etc Um, The unfortunate thing for us is we didn't have $70 million to advertise, so there's that, right? But, you know, one thing I always share with people, so many different groups had so many different functions, let's say the last couple of years, why people were so mobilised. But for us, I, I actually felt a big part of our functioning during the mandate stuff was the amount of phone calls we were getting of people going, look, this is happening, I'm about to lose my job, what do I do? How do I navigate this? What, you know, we had, I cannot tell you how many conversations between my business manager and myself we had with people where we encouraged them again to go, hey, are you anchored in the word of God? Like religion's one thing, but do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you see the bigger picture? Like, where are you at with God? How are you going? And I know a lot of people thought, oh, you know, we, we probably weren't too vocal on this. We weren't too vocal on that. But the reality is for me, I mean, we were sending the Attorney General examples of all the mandate inconsistencies. Our families were individually meeting with members of parliament. So mm. it's not that we didn't do anything. It's not that we didn't um, do the work, which we did. But I think politics now is so synonymous with if you are not overtly vocal or if you do not put that position across and you're you're really loud and you're all over social media, which there's value in that, you're not doing anything. And I, yeah. I've even seen a big shift in that over the years that people are happy to 
cotton on to certain things for a small period of time and be really vocal, but that doesn't necessarily, that's not going to really yield a result. It, it could make some noise, but even for us during that period, we were like, hang on, we need to fight this thing a bit differently. So I really saw that shift for us over the last couple of years. Yes, we're a political party, but having this incredible privilege to have these conversations with people on the phone and getting to the end of a conversation and saying to them, guys, like, it's all good. Like, things are going to be okay, praying for them. So a big part of, of our function over the last couple of years, I've just just getting people to think about, hey, where are you at in your relationship with God? Despite everything, are you anchored in his word? And you then see this light bulb moment for people, right? People going, okay, yes, I can yield the fear. I can yield the anxiety. I can stop going down rabbit holes of information, which there's nothing wrong with them. But people were so fearful um, and the issue became so polarising and divisive to some extent. I mean, I'm seeing some of the fruit of that now in WA with groups just splintering all over the place. Mm. So, you know, that's something we need to be mindful of, that different groups will have different functionings. And for us as organisations, especially as Christians, to so honour. We cannot so dishonour. Uh, we have to, despite us not agreeing with people, that was a big thing that God took me through the last couple of years. It's like, Marika, you so honour, you so truth. Um, and that's just, that was our functioning, you know, <laughs> sort yeah. of over the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I can testify, uh, you know, you're talking about how people may not have seen uh, the the fight that you conducted uh, for freedom in Western Australia. I can testify that from the leadership of a minor party on the other coast, uh, you know, nearly 10 years ago, um, there were many fights that we conducted that had to remain confidential. Uh, but because of the nature of our influence, even without anybody elected yes. and in parliament from our party, uh, the major parties still came to us to negotiate preferences and, yes. and had good faith conversations with us. And we were able to very, I, literally influence policies and make them better uh, yes. because of the weight that we carried, having been stayers and, and been around for, for so long and having those relationships uh, that you talked about. Um, and the frustrating thing is you can't tell everybody uh, and shout from the roof the, the work that you've been doing. No, um, no, no. Daryl, I want to bring uh, you in now and uh, mm. just uh, let me ask you, this is the 50th anniversary of the Family Voice uh, Lobby Group uh, organisation. Um, for those people who maybe haven't heard of you yet, can you give us an initiation Um what does Family Voice yeah. do nationally and what's its mission, its brief, and, and in particular in Western Australia, what have you been fighting for there? Well, one of the ways you've been using is lobbying. One of the things we actually try to do is advocacy rather than lobbying because lobbying is more of a, like a political strong-arming kind of idea. So what we're trying to do is an advocacy for Christian values in the public sphere. So. Family, faith, and freedom is our three taglines, and actually, AC has got exactly the same kind of tagline in a slightly different order. But that's obviously the three values that we want to see Christians absorb and understand, but also to proclaim in the public sphere that we stand for faith being the primary one, families being the operation of self-government in a small sphere, and then freedom 
for wider society in general. So we started right back in 1973 out of the whole uh, sexual revolution phase. And, uh, and of course, the entry of sexual materials into public consumption. Um, and so we, we wanted to limit that and starting in South Australia. And of course, it spread nationally. We saw the federal government just allow this filth to come into the country. So we've been in those fights about proclaiming Christian values right back to the 70s. So obviously it, it's changed. We've stayed as a publication based ministry where we've, uh, I actually produced the magazines that we put out there and we want to educate and, and equip people with knowledge of the issue, but also how to Christianly pray about that issue and who to talk to about it, to advocate on this issue to a parliamentarian or whoever it may be. So that's kind of where we sit. And I've been in this fight for like six years now as state director. And um, it's been amazing, as Marika said, during this COVID period, um, how we've had got more people involved and more people activated. But at the same time, because of the, the scope of what we're facing, we have to be so much more prayerful, so much more focused on God than we've ever had to be. Um, where it's just kind of forced us into that corner. We we know uh, where we want to be as Christian people. We're sitting down in the corner there, but we can proclaim loudly and, and, and graciously, this is what our vision for society ought to be. And there's many people coming, listening to us in our corner now, um, and we can speak at those rallies and proclaim the gospel where people are just not quite that interested because they can see how we need God and self-government. Yeah. And I guess one of the things is um, that, that idea of that the government now wants to take over every sphere and people are realizing the government is not my best friend. The government is, isn't, isn't my friend. It's something that's just to there to regulate some of those things that people, some people themselves find very hard to regulate. Yeah. And, and that's where we should limit government too. But the family and obviously the father, mother and uh, dad, mum together, that's what the, the self-government begins and teaching those Christian values to their kids. And then they grow up to the next generation. And as, as you were saying in earlier with me about church and state and what family voice is very much the same is that we want to see um, this generational change within Christian families that they have a completely different way of living that it sets an example for everyone around them and that they other families see that and they want to join that that Christian concept of what family is. And that's what will change society for the next century and that's obviously yeah. we're in that for a long long time yeah daryl tell me uh what uh, i guess the nuances you would see in the ratio and priority balance of uh loud and vocal and public uh advocacy or activism or or rhetoric um compared to the relationships that you've cultivated and, and maintained, uh, even with politicians that you don't always see eye to eye with. Right. Yeah. Well, with those politicians, I think what you're what you're talking about is that they understand where you're from. So I've been the president of the Coalition for Defence of Human Life, and we certainly have some friendships within the Labor side on that level. So that we know Michelle Roberts and uh, Margaret Quirk and a few others that have been with us for a long time as somebody as they are people of faith and they see things from our side as well. Um, but obviously they don't share every kind of value that we have, mm. but they do agree with on some things. So there, there's the thing where you can work together with those people you think won't be hostile with you. But I think obviously 
that just within the Christian church, and I think one of the biggest things, uh, going back from before the last five years, it was all about green stuff, the greeny issue, the environmental issues, and our churches became very political mm. in quotes uh, about the green issue. And they were all about that. And that's where they were going to attract the non-believer in with the idea of we're for the environment, we're for all these things. Mm -hmm. And I just, that was so interesting. I'll show you, Marika, you were very familiar with that. And now it's kind of like suddenly faded away. It's no longer popular. And these churches are kind of like, but yeah, so no longer cool. So, but having a relationship with those churches and those church leaders and saying, look, you can see that it just waxes and wanes. You can't follow what the world says is the right political thing to do listen to Christ listen to what his word says and focus on those things that are primary to him which is sharing the gospel but also the gospel orientated view of life and family being the most important things and if you don't have life and you don't have the primacy of that that you don't have any of these other rights so uh, that's the, I guess for me the most difficult part is educating pastors and Christian leaders to think from the very most primary foundational things first get that set right in your church and then all those other peripheral things follow from that, mm. um, especially on the environmental issue. Because once you understand God's primaries, then the environmental issue becomes much more clear. One of the things that I try and, uh, I guess, teach and convey, especially with the appreciation of, of my party background, um, is that there are many things that we want and there are many things that we can't have. And then there are some things that we can negotiate on. Uh, and and I actually think the left are masters at this. They're masters of incrementalism, where That's they right. will ratchet towards the regressivism and depravities that they are seeking to uh, make the status quo. Uh, do you think, Daryl, that it's a, an advantage or a disadvantage to be absolutist about Christian values. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, I think all three of us would agree that life begins, human life begins at fertilization mm -hmm. and should be considered sacred and protected uh, from that stage. However, that's not mm -hmm. a a realistic outcome right now so should we continue to advocate for that in an absolutist way take it or leave it all or nothing or, or should we do you think there's room as a christian involved in the public square to negotiate and compromise um, practicing the strategy of incrementalism in the goal of being absolute uh, you know getting further and further down the track towards our actual values uh, and and by that saving some lives in the meantime as opposed to none um, or do you personally think it's better to be black and white about it like uh, the abolitionist um, society in America it is a bit of a fight between and unfortunately some people feel like they it's quite we need to be more pure and I think one of the the foundational things to think about is that we all have an individual Christian conscience yeah. that God has given to us. And it's the Holy Spirit that leads you mm -hmm. into what he wants you to say at that particular time. And I think that's where Christians need to, and the same with COVID stuff and all of that, that people understood things differently from a conscience level 
And it's mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit that leads you about what's the right thing to do, what's the loving thing to do in that particular moment. And it's the same thing with the, the, the life issues. So um, I want to say that I love every child and every unborn child. We say that at the rallies every year and stuff like that. And we love every mother and every father. And we want to share Christ's mm-hmm. love with them. But I can advocate for that without using the language of compromise. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about, uh, you know, that, that those issues were about being incrementalist versus absolutionist is that the incrementalist, as long as they don't use the language of compromise and to say, I, well, I'm agreeing with what you guys say yeah. about, you know, babies want a life left to die, for example. I mean, that some people How might be, I don't know, unwittingly adopting the language yeah. of there's a human's right of a woman to have an abortion. and your law the way it stands this law won't affect that the what you think is right so we can advocate for things without changing or compromising on what god's word says and i think it's really important otherwise later on down the track and obviously they see it as the thin end of the edge of the wedge and say we're just going to end up pushing through and the whole dam will break and that's why when we saw in those inquiries where Matt Canavan and others are going to examining people and our side is presenting our, our issues. They, these abortion providers just deny anything ever happens because they think it's going to break, the whole dam's going to break down, which it probably will at some point. We don't know whether it's now, but on the Bayes One Live issue, you know, it'll be this year, next year, five years' time, whatever. But it's just important to not compromise on what you believe mm. is true from God's word. Yeah, that's a good example, actually, the uh, the Born Alive bill. A uh, good example of incrementalism whereby you can save some lives. You don't have to, uh, you know, get off that, you know, a yes. complete uh, uh, ban and criminalisation yeah. of, of providing abortion straight away, but you can, can actually do it. And that in itself starts to soften hearts and open minds to right. the right. the humanity of the, the unborn child and that... Uh, you know, one side or other of the the womb is just a geographical location That's and right. doesn't diminish or in, enhance yeah. uh, the the humanity of of that person. Uh, Marika, what insights and experiences do you have in the pros and cons of the uh, the alternate strategies? Really, it's one or the other: um, yeah. incrementalism versus absolutism. I mean, the moment you obviously slap your, you know, Christian on on your political party, it's sort of people assume that there are going to be some non-negotiables in there. But it's similar to what Daryl has said. It's for us, it's not about compromise, but it's about actually relaying the the humanity of the issue. So, classic example, you know, with this Rockingham by-election we have coming up in WA, we're using that as an opportunity to go. Babies are left to die after surviving an abortion. How can anybody be okay with that? You know, so so we're using some of those issues, reframing some of those issues so that you're actually bringing it back to the humanity of it so that just whether you're Christian or non-Christian, that people actually think, well, hang on, that is pretty barbaric. So even though there's no compromise um, in, in what we stand for, 
I definitely think it's a delivery issue and we can be wise in how we deliver that message. We can be, uh, uh, yeah, much more reasoned when we deliver that message. doesn't mean we have to compromise at all. I mean, of course, yeah. on issues of life, uh, there are things that we're always going to have that point of difference. You know, there is no party line. It's pro-life and that's it, you know, from conception to, to natural death. So uh, for me, and I've seen this especially with, with moral issues, there are certain things that are black and white because it's a biblical thing. That's what we absolutely believe. But it's the delivery of, of how we do that too. Yeah. Speaking of the Rockingham by-election, uh, Western Australia was recently delivered from the clutches of Comrade Mark McGowan, <laughs> yes. and uh, we yeah. we have um, now Roger Cook in his place as uh, leader of uh, that great state. Um, Marika, um, for viewers' sake, um, actually viewers uh, at church and state yes. events and conferences, um, all invited speakers, politicians, academics, etc are there yep. to teach. Uh, yes. They are not there to campaign. That's the Church right. and State show is slightly different, um, is a little bit more <laughs> commentary and opinion allowed. Um, yep. So, Marika, uh, shameless plug for your candidate. Uh, what's his name and why do you think he is the best candidate for uh, electors in the Rockingham electorate uh, to choose at the coming by-election? Yeah, well, look, Mike Crichton, he's our newly elected state president or has been our state president since January. Um, he saw the light, jumped ship from the Liberal Party, decided that we're worth uh, joining. And so Mike is actually our endorsed candidate for, for the Rockingham by-election. Local guy, uh, radio um, announcer, been involved with church organisations, pastoring, so really loves people. We've spent a fair bit of time down there talking to locals. And Rockingham is interesting because it's such a strong Labor area. I mean, it's like phenomenal, right? 80, 90% of people vote Labor. So people are like, wow. why on earth would you even be fielding a candidate there? And we're like, well, this is why we stand. It's an opportunity for people to get to know Mike, what our point of difference is, uh, why why these particular issues are important. And to be honest, no other party is going to be talking about them. So I think because Mike is so so known and likeable, and I've seen that even being down there, uh, people are actually open to change. Mm -hmm. So that's been really good, actually, to see that down there. So Mike yep. Crichton, uh, yeah, he's our candidate down there. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Daryl, I'm... Um, I'm accused of sometimes being somewhat libertarian in in my political <laughs> philosophies I, I don't try to be and i don't identify as libertarian yeah. but i am big on liberty uh in fact i'm writing an article at the moment which may already be published by the time uh this show goes to air um where i'm actually advocating for limits on free speech and limits on the right to protest so i'm definitely not a classic libertarian in, in the sense of, of being a free speech absolutist or things like that. Uh, people like Lyle Shelton, I think a friend of all of us uh, and leader nationally of the Family First Party, have a, have a, a more hard-nosed opinion of libertarians um, than I do. I, I voted for a libertarian candidate in my electorate at the federal election. 
But that was because he was the best person in the electorate. He's a born-again Christian, uh, fundamental Bible believer. You know, the authority of Scripture is first in his life. And he said to his party, I'm not going to vote with you if you don't support my conscience. I will always stick to my conscience and submit that to the word of God. Mm-hmm. That's a candidate I can vote for. Big on liberty, big on the sanctity of life, big on the sanctity of marriage, uh, and, and and very conservative, really, uh, in his things. Mm-hmm. Um, what knowledge do you have of the other parties and, and candidates in either the Rockingham by-election or even Western Australia in general, and, and what's your view on, on how Christians should approach elections when there's a Christian party on the ballot or, or maybe uh, a major party candidate who says they're a Christian? Um, how should they actually approach the process of deciding uh, their, their voting preferences in, in this yeah. or future elections? Well, I won't comment on each candidate because uh, what one thing that you can be knowing of is each party has a certain party line about life issues and things like that. So, but the, the each the Labor Party has committed to, for example, changing abortion laws. So, whoever's going to be up for that Labor candidate, they, they've been compelled that they have to vote according to that. But in terms of their positions and other things, what we encourage is that people need to email that candidate and let their uh, vision for that seat and this state and our nation be known to that candidate to you personally form a relationship with them when you actually ask them personally. So uh, it's not actually for me actually to say, I know what this person does and doesn't believe about these things because they can change. They can they can lie to you. But if you advocate to them directly and say, this is what I believe and this is what's true, and they say to you, truth or error, whatever it may be, you can hold them accountable to that. Um, so obviously Good. Mike Crichton is going to be held accountable to whatever he says. And we need to repeat that to him over and over again. So I, we, what our My Ministry does is we take quotes of what people have said. For example, Roger Cook has said that we want a, a, a state that protects its most vulnerable. And like, what do you mean by that, mm-hmm. Roger Cook? I mean, you believe that the way we treat our most vulnerable and, and um, unprotected people is so important. What he means is all the people that he mm-hmm. sees as Labour voters, the people that are loyal on the socioeconomic spectrum, but he's not even thinking about the unborn when he says that. So I have to hold him accountable to that statement and say, what do you stand, where do you stand on babies and, and unborn babies about that yeah. issue? So that's where I think when it comes to this election and any election, obviously, that's where I approach it. Yeah, brilliant. I, I think a, a really useful slogan uh, that, that we've heard recently is vote for the person, not the party. Um, and, and I, you know, you'd, you'd start in your favourite parties uh, looking for the right person. Um, but I think you're right, Daryl. It's important probably to contact one way or another every candidate, even the unlikely ones, yeah. uh, because even that process yeah. is influential, uh, especially when hundreds and thousands of, of conservative, independent uh, undecided Christian voters will, will go to them and say, here's what I'm looking for. And they start to sense that there is a constituency that will support um, traditional Australian Christian values uh, the, that promote the family and uphold liberty and uh, natural law. 
Marika, just before we wrap up, if there's a, a general message you would like to give to pastors and, and churches and parishioners uh, coming mm. up to the Rockingham by-election and a state election next yeah. year, what would it be? Don't be afraid of politics. You know, church and politics do inevitably mix. And it doesn't mean that everybody's called to a party or to be a candidate, but we cannot keep seeing the same legislation pass. We cannot keep seeing the same damaging legislation pass. People have to realise that Christians have an influence. They have a voice. Pastors don't need to be preaching from the pulpit with this stuff, but they have to, at the very least, make the resources and information available to people. So people have to have the knowledge. They need to have that to make an informed decision. So I reckon embrace it. It's not something controversial. I feel it's this massive myth that's been sold to the church that somehow Christians shouldn't get involved, but they yeah. should. So, uh, and I've seen how when you explain it to pastors, when the penny drops, they realise, oh, my goodness, of course, politics is actually so biblical <laughs> jesus was really involved in this stuff so it it's really not something is. to shy away from really it isn't and it's not something to be fearful of if if we're equipped with the facts if we deliver well there's nothing to be afraid of yeah brilliant and well said daryl final message to uh, everybody watching but in particular christians pastors uh, church leaders yeah i've been thinking a lot about um churches in general need to return back to the primary uh, on the political things, just the primacy of human life. And uh, why do you want to motivate Christian churches to go out there and have an influence in the local community? Like, it's an interesting stat, and I think it's an American stat, that 76% of women said that their local Christian church had no influence on their decision to have an abortion or not. So our churches, for whatever reason, are not sharing and a sort of very, very similar stat here in WA, I would say as well, that, that people don't know that they can go to a local church and go and meet with Christians for refuge in that moment of crisis, on, the, on that moment of where they don't have a clue what to do and I want some physical help, I want some mental help, I want some emotional help. And they're in a situation career-wise or whatever where they feel under pressure. And can they go to us as believers and say, yes, I'll give you help and so when we're speaking in our pulpits, when we're having our personal relationships, are we making it clear that we are that place? And there are other pro-life organisations and Family Voice and many others who are joining the winner in that, is that we want to see churches actually label themselves as places of refuge yeah. regards to that life issue and put yeah. it out there very publicly. And that's where I'd see it very important. Yeah. Yep. Daryl, where can people find more information about Family Voice and, and how to support you? Yeah, so our website is familyvoice.org.au and um, so you can give us a donation there and find out more about our email ministries and stuff like that. And obviously follow us on Facebook. We have a pretty sizable Facebook page, which has going game busters recently. So uh, Family Voice uh, Australia is our thing on Facebook. So you'll find us there. We've got uh, 50,000 followers and it's just been leaping up about 5,000 followers every six months or so, which has been good That's brilliant. So for us as, yeah. at a small level. so. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. You're packing a, packing a punch there, and thank you. Uh, Marika, for people who yeah. want to volunteer for a solid Christian conservative candidate at the Rockingham by-election or other ways that yes. they can support your party, how should yeah. they uh, get involved and get involved and, and contact you? 
Sure. So we've got a website. There's a, a page through there that you can sign up to help, australianchristians.org.au. And we've also got a series of links on our Instagram. So there's a Helping in the Rockingham by-election link there that people can sign up to, but just for information in general. So across all socials and the website is the, the best way to go. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Dave. It's great. And, and you too, of course, Meryl, that was for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Church and State Show. Don't forget, if you're in Perth or can get there for Friday and Saturday, the 3rd and 4th of August, I would love to meet you in person. I'll be bringing John Steenhoff, Dr. Stephen Shavura and James McPherson across with me from the East Coast, where we will meet up with some WA speakers and we will be arming Christians to influence culture. If you love God, if you love his word, if you love your neighbor, this is the conference you need to be at. Please don't be one of those people who come up to me afterwards and say, if I had have known it was going to be this good, I would have brought more people. It is going to be that good. So just bring them right along. And if they don't enjoy it, I'll give you a 100% refund guaranteed. But you can get 20% off your tickets right now by using the code GS20, GS20. And that's at the website, churchandstate.com.au. So get information about the tickets uh, for that conference at the beginning of August at churchandstate.com.au. You'll also see links there to the Adelaide conference two months later in the beginning of October, right before the voice uh, referendum. And we will also have tickets up there for the next summit, which is the 8th and 9th of March in Brisbane. If you'd like to make sure that you get all of my updates, about 1% of people on my social media channels see the posts that I do. Horrendously shadow banned. You have to subscribe to my email list. Go to the website davepello.com. There you can join and get the weekly email updates as well as become a supporter of this show. And a huge shout out to those people who do so regularly and faithfully. Thank you for making this work possible. I'm Dave Pello, and this has been another episode of the Church and State Show. God bless you and this nation, and we'll see you next week. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.